Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It's indeed a privilege to, to be here. Um, it's been, I suppose, um, probably, what, almost four years um, since I've been here. And it's definitely a blessing to see a lot of familiar faces and know that, that the Lord is still uh, working here in uh, central Missouri. Definitely bring you greetings as well from uh, brothers and sisters in, in Boston. And if for any reason you're traveling that far east, um, we, we love to host people and um, we love to, to have people come through. So you can turn in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 35. I'm going to, to read a passage here and um, consider... In this passage, God calls Jacob to return to Bethel, um, and sort of what I want to, to center my, my thoughts around. Um, and a lot of it is, in some ways, uh, for me, coming back to Missouri feels a little like coming back um, to, a, to a Bethel. Um, and to refresh your memory, if you remember, uh, Bethel is the place where Jacob, after leaving home, after um, using trickery to get the birthright, he flees for his life from his brother Esau, and he sleeps, and he has this vision of uh, the ladder that's set up, and the angels ascending and descending, and, and God being at the top, and, and God um, there, say uh, God making the, the covenant with Jacob, and then Jacob vows this vow. He says that if God will be with me, and will keep me in the way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to, uh, to wear, so I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and Amen. this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. So he calls this place Bethel then, or God's house, um, and he establishes it as, as this place. And so it's, um, in a lot of ways for Jacob, it's where he makes God um, his own God in, a, in, in many ways. Before that, he's in his father's house, he's, um, and it's more the God of Isaac. Um, here it becomes the God of Jacob, right. and he, he establishes this covenant. This is this place where where he is, um, and later God's going to call him to go back to this place. Then, and that's what we'll, we'll look at in a little more detail later. But as as I was saying, in some ways for me, this feels um, like a bit of a Bethel place. This is, uh, here in Central Missouri is where, in a lot of ways, I, I very deeply wrestled with God. Stood on the, the verge of agnosticism at a, at one point. Um, really felt like I established a lot of a deep covenant with God. Um, and, um, and so it's been a while, but there's a way in which coming back, I suppose there's, it's, it's all wrapped together with certain senses of nostalgia and memories and, and whatnot that are, that are all connected with that. But, um, but in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of revisiting and, and seeing places and uh, remembering the, the work that God did in my own life um, here in Missouri. Um, and so that's, that's what draws me to consider uh, this passage this morning. Uh, so just kind of following through that storyline of Jacob a bit to refresh your memory. So after leaving Bethel, where he sets up this pillar, makes this covenant with God, he then heads on into Canaan where he meets Laban. Uh, it's there where he marries Leah and Rachel. Um, there's a lot of, of trickery going on and a lot of... Um, manipulating of circumstances, trying to work his own way, but also getting that in return from people like Laban. Um, we have the stories of, of, um, of him being his wages to be in the livestock and his use of trickery to 
uh, increases the amount of livestock that he has. And finally then, Jacob leaves with his family at God's command, but he leaves um, without Laban knowing. He kind of secretly slips off um, with his family. And then on the way, um, as he's heading back sort of toward the land of, of Bethel, the land of uh, the promised land, um, he's heading back that direction, and he hears Esau's coming. He's um, very, very afraid for his life. And we have the, the great story of him wrestling with God um, and where his name is changed to Israel, which means something down the line like God or wrestling with God or God prevails is a little the idea that it has. Um, and, um, and so he has this, and there, and there again, there's, just this, there's this significant connection or this um, wrestle point that Jacob has with God. And there's an, a, a sense of where he reestablishes, God reestablishes this covenant with, uh, with Jacob as, as well there. And it's um, the, the capstone of that is that Jacob's name is changed. And then the, fo- the following chapter, um, in, or not the following chapter, but then in, in Genesis 34, which is the chapter right before 35, what we'll be reading here, um, is the accounting of the story of, of Dinah and her humiliation, and then um, Jacob's sons going just um, very cruelly slaughtering this group of people. Um, and it seems like it's on the heels of that. There again, Jacob is still uh, back at a place where I think he's fearing a bit for their own safety. He's, he's afraid that there's going to be a revenge move because of, of how aggressively his sons... Um, slaughtered this group of people Um, and there there seems to be some of that that's going on um, and there's this fear in in Jacob and then God comes to him again here in chapter 35 so we'll go ahead and read uh, Genesis chapter 35 Um, God said to Jacob arise go up to Bethel and dwell there make an altar there to, to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar to God and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under the oak uh, below Bethel. And so he called its name Alan Bekath, and um, actually, I want to keep reading here. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, "Your name is Jacob. No longer shall you your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name." So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, "I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body." The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, 
And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken to him, Bethel. So, um, just considering a few different things in, in connection with um, with this passage um, that I think stand out, and also then kind of applying it to our own lives, then and thinking about um, times in our life where we ought to renew covenant um, with God, or, or at least reconsider covenants that we have made with God um, as a as a way to call us um, back to, or call, not necessarily call us back, but to call us to remember what God has done for us to inspire us to, to worship, to holiness, um, and, and thinking um, of those things. I think it's very significant um, that Jacob refers to this place as um, El Bethel, which basically he's just adding like another God to the house of God in a sense. Or maybe we could think about it more in the sense where he's calling this place the God of the house of God. Um, and, and I think... I don't think it's reading too much in to, to make this distinction. Initially, when he's here and makes a, his first covenant with God, when he's fleeing from Esau, he calls it Bethel, or just house of God. And in a sense, Jacob recognizes that God, God is here. Um, and, and so maybe we could say he was, Jacob at that point was recognizing God's presence in his life. Um, and, right. and that became established to him. Here, he calls this place the God of the God of Bethel. Maybe, in a sense, making it more personal. No longer is it just that God exists, God is in the presence of his life, but it is now, um, it's now my God. Um, right. It's, it's the, the God of the house of God um, that he's recognizing taking it from merely a presence, uh, recognition of God's presence in his life to El Bethel, which was a recognition of God's necessity for his life, um, and that he couldn't go on um, in, in taking his family with him and fulfilling this covenant that God has made with him. He couldn't do that without the, um, without the presence of God in his life. Um, and, and it's interesting how God... God affirms all of this uh, for for Jacob um, several times, actually, in this passage. Not only does, and, and I hinted at the fact, and the text doesn't say it specifically, but there's this hint from the, the end of chapter 34 where Jacob rebukes his sons for, for the... Um, for the, the vengeance that they had enacted and says, you've brought this upon me so that the people are going to pursue me. Um, and then it's interesting when we read here, God comes to him and tells him to go, but then it says that the people, that God put a fear on the people of the land, um, that they didn't pursue them. So God, God affirms to Jacob that this is indeed the direction he needs to be going. This is what he needs to be doing, uh, because that thing that he feared the most uh, at that point, that there was going to be some sort of revenge on them, um, doesn't materialize, and, and God puts this fear um, this fear into the other people of Canaan, and they didn't pursue them. And then also, God um, God affirms that this is is um, what He is intending for Jacob, or what He desires for Jacob, by reaffirming the covenant with Jacob um, here at the very end, where He's uh, and again He does that by reaffirming the name change as well. So here He He says, "You're not going to be Jacob anymore. You're going to be called Israel," which is. Pretty much word for word what he has said, what God told him back 
uh, a few chapters ago when he had wrestled with the man of God. Um, there God told him as well, you're not going to be Jacob, you're going to be Israel. Um, and God reaffirms that. Um, you're not going to be the supplanter. So Jacob having the meaning of uh, supplanter, which in I suppose in our more mo- in modern English is more the idea of like, oh, like taking over with a sense of, of trickery to it, like um, not not succeeding with uh, honest and, and up, uh, upright means, but um, getting ahead by using manipulation and um, trickery to get there. And so that's not no longer Jacob's name. That that was the old Jacob, the Jacob that uh, stole the birthright, the Jacob that um, that um, stole from, or not really stole, but the Jacob that got goods from Laban, Jacob that um, that left Laban without telling him, and that that was that was Jacob. Um, now he's he's Israel, where God prevails, and I think it, it's a it's a very key distinction because. It's no longer about Jacob needing to make things happen to fulfill what God desires, but it's about God persisting and God being the one who is fully in charge and uh, God being the one who's bringing it about. Jacob becomes merely a vessel for God to work out um, what, what God is wanting or God plans for uh, his people in this place. Um, and that becomes a very a key distinction, and God reaffirms reaffirms that here for uh, for Jacob. <clears throat> and then I think it's also then key as well. Jacob um, in in this all, Jacob recognizes their own need to approach God in in humbleness and humility, or in in humility and holiness. Sorry. Um, and because he starts out, God tells him, "Go back, go back to Bethel." And then Jacob's immediate response is to his family, "Put away the gods that are among you. Purify yourselves. Change your garments." And if you remember, this ties into that the whole story where Rachel, when they're fleeing from from Laban, she kind of secretly takes Laban's household gods with her, um, and and it sets up this thing. Not only were they materially valuable likely these these household gods were likely made of of some sort of valuable material uh, possibly like gold or silver or something of that nature not only were they valuable but it seems like rachel was not ready quite to let all of the um all of the religious practices of her upbringing go she she wanted to hold on to some of that and keep them and then finally here they are put away um and um, there does, and Jacob recognizes that if they're going to approach God at Bethel, the God that he's made a covenant with, um, they're going to need to put these things away so that they can go before God um, in holiness and, um, and, and approach him this place of covenant. So I would like to apply it like, for us in the context of renewing or remembering covenants. Um, that we have made. So, first of all, think of what what covenants have you made with God? Um, maybe they're baptismal covenants. Maybe they're marriage covenants. Maybe they're private covenants that, that are that maybe not a lot of people know about. Things that you have uh, committed or, or vowed before God um, in your own life. Uh, what covenants have you made with God that that you need to remember? That you need. Uh, from time to time to renew. And there's a sense in which we need to renew them because we're humans, we do forget, we tend to move on. Um, 
and there's also um, spiritual entropy. We tend to um, let ourselves, or it can be easy to fall back into old ruts that, that we have in our lives. We can find it possible to, um, to have our, the passion of our spiritual lives become dull um, with time. And so we need to renew covenants. We need to remember the things that God did for us, the, the stakes that we drove into the ground um, and established before God um, for our own good because we can get into those ruts and we need to call ourselves out of them. Um, it's a good spiritual exercise for us just to remember God's faithfulness and to call us to worship when we remember um, what God has done for us at different places. Um, and, and, and sometimes it is, like I suppose for me, um, these the few days that I'm, that I'm here in Missouri, sometimes it is the, the very distinct remembering by driving past places or seeing people or seeing places that where God did amazing things for me and, and calling that to memory. There, there are things that I remember other times, but there is something uniquely special about being able to, to see them in their physicality and uh, remember, God did this. God did this here. Um, and it, it's a way to for me to remember God's faithfulness. And it should call us um, to worship as well. Um, and remember that, that the God... The God that, that did those things, the God that established himself, made himself known to us in those places, is, is the God that is still leading us, will still be showing us new things, and still taking us uh, to new places to conquer as well. And also, like Jacob, um, it should be a way to call us to make God personal. Um, sometimes when we remember those covenants, it's a way where Bethel becomes El Bethel for us. So... Um, and it, it doesn't diminish the, the importance, the beauty of, of the first covenant, the, when, we actually, when we made the covenant with God. But sometimes when we revisit and we continue to see how God has led us from that point on, and we realize that, that this event, while it was significant when it happened, like it, it was a significant turning point in my life. And there's a lot of other things, there's a lot of other um, Ways that God has led from that point that wouldn't be that way if if I hadn't made this crucial decision or if God hadn't worked in this way at this precise moment. And so when we revisit it sometimes, it makes it even more personal. And it can take that covenant from being um, the house of God where we recognize God did this for me. When we revisit it, it might be, this is, this is my God that did this. Um, and it should be a way as well to, like Jacob, call us to redemptive holiness as well. Um, Sometimes when we revisit covenants that that we have made with God, um, when we revisit them, sometimes we recognize that there's there's idols that we have um, continued to keep. Um, Maybe we didn't recognize the significance of them when we initially made the covenant. Um, Or maybe it's, in, in Jacob's case here, there were there were, that was him personally. Now, now there's more people. He has uh, a whole household. He has wives, children, and there's um, other people that are under his care that um, that also that that need to have their connection with God as well. Um, and so sometimes there's those there's those idols that have either crept in or maybe we didn't recognize the significance of them when we first made covenant. But when we renew the covenant, we might um, recognize. Um, additional 
idols and God calling us to, to go further with that. Um, so it, it is for me a, a privilege to be able to, to be here and to, to remember um, and to think about covenants, ways that God um, led me um, in my four years here in central Missouri um, and to recognize ways that God has led in the, in the four years um, since. And I call you uh, with me to, to think about covenants that you have made in your life um, and think about um, how those covenants can be or need to be renewed. Um, how can, and in that renewing, how can you be inspired to, to worship? How can you be called to make God more personal? And how can you be called um, to make your life um, holy in, in reviewing them? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we are so thankful that you are the one who leads us faithfully. And when you make covenants with us, you are always faithful and are, will always keep those covenants. Father, forgive us when in our forgetfulness we lose sight of the importance of covenants that we have made. And Father, I pray that we would be called in our lives to, to remember those times where you have worked uh, mightily in our lives, the places where you have called us to make covenants that um, for forsaking of sin and following you um, in, in true obedience wholeheartedly, Father. And I, I pray that as we remember them, we would, we would have a, a heart of worship for how you have led us and that you would have and that we would have um, a desire to, to grow into uh, holiness um, and to renew those covenants and um, stand firm in our commitment to you and your people. Ask your spirit to move um, on the remaining parts of this service, and may we be blessed and inspired and take to heart what you have for us. Ask it in Christ's holy name. Amen.